You might have noticed if you follow daily cases uh, that the doom merchants have been wrong. Hospitals haven't been flooded. ICU hasn't been overrun. Even the case numbers are barely an issue these days. New South Wales, which is open, the world hasn't ended. So could some of your red regions get some reprieve before Christmas? And what about Omicron? Director General of Health, Dr Ashley Bloomfield, back with us. Good morning. Good morning. I tell you what, the more I'm reading about Omicron, the more positive I am. What about you? Oh, I'm keeping an open mind about Omicron. I think the big thing, though, and uh, Mike Ryan at the WHO said this repeatedly, our, our problem is Delta, not Omicron. And uh, let's keep focused on, on you know, getting on top of Delta. Uh, and uh, that will serve us well for whatever Omicron brings along. But uh, we'll just keep an open mind and see what the next couple of weeks bring. But all we know so far, it's mild. There are no deaths, there are no hospitalisations. If it spreads faster than Delta, it solves the Delta problem by itself, doesn't it, to a degree? Oh, I'm not too sure about that. I think that's a pretty optimistic view of it. Uh, we don't know for sure if the if the symptoms and the impact is mild. Uh, we just don't really have enough information as yet. Uh, but, you know, we will be looking at that. We will clearly be looking at transmissibility and also the vaccine effectiveness. Those are the three big things. A couple of weeks' time, we'll know a lot more than we know now. Haven't had you on since you gave the Cabinet that all the information came out that you gave Cabinet Level 4 and Level 1 advice and they ignored it. How often are you ignored and does it bother you? Oh, uh, I don't sort of keep a tally of, of how often my advice is taken or not. But what I would say is, um, you know, my job uh, with my team here is to give our very best advice. And, and Cabinet, of course, around the table has to weigh up, as any Cabinet does, a whole lot of different uh, uh, perspectives and issues and then come up with the best decisions. So, um, you know, I stand by our advice and um, uh, I think it's been uh, influential in ensuring that New Zealand's done really well through the COVID-19 pandemic. See, what I can't understand is when you say let's hold it because I'm nervous and they then weigh up all the stuff they weigh up like the economy and closed doors and stuff, I, I get the conflict or the tension there. But when you're saying we can get out of level four now and we can go to level one, that's to the benefit of literally everybody. And why would they argue against you on that? Well, I don't think they're arguing against. I think that they... Uh, well, they didn't take your advice. Things. Well, uh, they, they, I'm sure, took most of my advice uh, on, on all those, um, those sort of level changes. And so, you know, it's always a, a big decision. And I think I've said that before. You, you know, every time you give advice about a level change, whether that's up or down, it's a big call. Uh, and it's it's hard to know. You know, you, we, we live life forward, but we understand it looking backwards. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with the advice we've given. And uh, so far, the decisions, I think, have served us well. The headline that's been drummed up this morning is rural hospitals and doctors a bit worried about when we all go on holiday and all get COVID and die. Should we be worried in the rural parts of this country or will they cope? Well, I don't think we should be any uh, more or less worried than we might usually be. Um, New Zealanders do travel out to the regions every year in summer. We did it last summer. Uh, we've been working with all the district health boards and indeed I've spoken directly with, with the rural hospitals and rural doctors network about what support they might need and all the district health boards are, are ensuring that services are available not just if there are any COVID needs but of course for, for other healthcare needs uh, over the summer break. As regards kids, the young kids, the primary school kids getting jabbed as of January, do you worry that there isn't really a period of time where they can get jab one, jab two before they go back to school? This will be in the school year, is that a problem or not? I don't think it is a problem uh, for two reasons. First of all, uh, where we really want to have our children and our high population protection is going into winter next year. Now, it's a big seasonal difference, and we can see the difference, uh, you know, the impact that's having over, over there in Europe. 
I think the second thing is, and I made this point yesterday, actually most of our cases in children have not happened through transmission in school settings, they've happened in households. And, you know, so the best protection for children is actually adults and others in households getting vaccinated themselves in the meantime. As regards this red light system or orange light system that we're going into tomorrow, so Auckland's going into example for red, but I'm looking at the numbers yesterday. Once again, they hover around 140, 150, 160, something like that. Hospitals aren't stretched. This thing looks to be, because of the high vax rate, broadly speaking, under control. Is that fair? I think that's very fair, and that's the point I've been making. Actually, the vaccination rate in Auckland is having a real impact. And even nationwide now, we're up to 93% first dose with another percent of people booked. So we haven't stopped at 90. We are seeing an impact, and it's great to see Auckland has numbers have levelled off and probably you know, on the way down. Another couple of weeks there will give us a really strong signal about um, how well the outbreak is under control. Good, glad you said that. So what is it we're looking for in the next two weeks? Is the, is the initial red a purely political decision? Because right here right now I don't see why Auckland's in red. It's not a political decision and in fact it reflects our advice and the advice of others that going into the new framework um, you know, go in with a little bit of caution well, uh, because okay. it does involve Auckland uh, opening up further. You know, hospitality, of course, opening up, which is great. Um, and so go in uh, cautiously, but then that was the also why the PM signalled in a couple of weeks' time we'll review and see what the And, and in reviewing in the two weeks, I can see if the, if the numbers stay the same, roughly, if the vaccination rate does nothing but go up, I can see no reason not to be in orange. Otherwise, I'm looking at your, your line-up of your orange, red and reasons for it, and it makes no sense. Certainly things are heading in the right direction and we'd want to keep that happening, wouldn't we? Uh, the, the signs are all good in Auckland and I think it reflects uh, you know, some great work by, by the teams up there and particularly that high vaccination rate is going to make a real difference. Appreciate your time, Ashley Bloomfield, with us this morning. Yeah, some of the stuff I'm also reading, uh, it's, in fact, uh, the, the story starts, it's almost too good to believe. The days go by and there's little evidence that the Omicron wave in South Africa is leading to a surge in severe illness. Uh, they're quoting a guy called Professor Francois Bellot, who's the director of the UCL Genetics Institute. Uh, we cannot rule out, he says, the highly optimistic scenario of a late epidemic mutation that is extremely contagious, displaces Delta, but does less harm. That's exactly what you want, of course. Uh, they cannot at this stage anyway usefully judge the 30-odd mutations in the spike protein, but we can all see that asymptomatic infections are spreading like wildfire across the world and can therefore draw the first tentative investable conclusions. Now, there's a couple of reasons for concern, a couple of flags. Uh, viral infections tend to start with mild disease and past waves show that young people tend to get it first before it spreads up the age ladder, so that's something to watch out for. The original cohort, though, of patients breezing through surgeries in Johannesburg with little more than a headache may be a trick of a time sequence. Should the benign scenario prevail, though, it will turbocharge global economic growth and set off another leg of commodity booms and probably push the stock market indices to even frothier levels. So in other words, what we'll do is all breathe a massive sigh of relief and off, and off we go like nothing ever happened. 16-2.